Psalm 23 is a very familiar passage from Scripture for those of us who grew up in the church. I actually had my first memory of learning Psalm 23 when I was a child growing up at St. Matthew's Episcopal Church in Bloomington, Illinois. This is a picture of St. Matthew's. And in their basement Sunday school classrooms, the decorations were different posters that had the Lord's Prayer and Psalm 23 and the Apostles' Creed, other prayers and verses that they wanted us to learn and to know by heart. And when I think about why they wanted us to know these particular verses, it's because Psalm 23 communicates at its heart that God goes with us and offers us comfort. We use these verses most often really at memorial services and funerals. It's one of the most common usages for them because what it tells us is that God is our shepherd and will lead us through any season that we are walking through. We are wrapping up this week our sermon series called Say Anything. The heart of the sermon series was to use the Psalms to teach us how we can pray to God, how we can talk to God. And we had some weeks where we emphasized what it means for us to say thank you to God or wow. And then we got very real and talked about how sometimes what we really need to say to God is why or even how dare you. This week, we are talking about how the Psalms gives us comfort, deep comfort, through the phrase, you are with me. And what we will find is that Psalm 23 teaches us that receiving comfort in this life has very little to do with our present circumstances that are happening around us. And it has everything to do with God's presence with us. To communicate the power of God's presence with us beyond life circumstances, David, the author of Psalm 23, paints two vastly different portraits of what our lives can look like during different seasons. This first image is found in verses 1 through 3 of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. This is a serene and peaceful image. I have images of being up at the lake when I read these passages. Just the still waters and green pasture seasons of life. What David is showing us here is that sometimes life feels abundant. Life feels serene and peaceful, and it feels as though God is walking with us through those gentle seasons. That phrase, I shall not want, is actually an interesting one. In Hebrew, which is what the Psalms were written in, the the phrase for I shall not want is lo chaser. Will you say it with me? Lo chaser. Lo chaser actually means not I shall not want, but it actually means I shall not lack anything. I shall not lack anything. All of my needs are met. Now I think God does lead us through some of these seasons, and I wonder if you can think with me about a time when it felt like everything was just peaceful and God had fully provided. That lo chaser phrase shows up a lot throughout scripture, but the most common usage is actually when God is talking to his people about how he is going to provide for them after seasons of need, after seasons of loss. 
When God's people are wandering in the wilderness, they've been enslaved, they've wandered around, and God tells them, I have a good land for you that is abundant and I'm going to provide for you. He uses this low chaser to show them what it's going to look like. In Deuteronomy 8, verses 7 through 10, this is the picture of the promised land that God speaks over his people. It says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lo chaser, lack nothing. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. Do you see the parallels between Psalm 23 and Deuteronomy 8? Even the water image. There will be brooks of water and fountains of springs. These are the seasons that God says we will have in our life. And God is the one who provides for us in those seasons. But then... David moves into another portrait of what life can look like. It's in verse 4 of Psalm 23. And it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We have made a massive left turn in this passage, shifting from verse 3, these green pastures and still waters, into the valley of the shadow of death. And yet, in this moment, David still says that he will lo chaser, that he will fear no evil, actually, even though he isn't experiencing the lo chaser, lacking nothing, he has entered into a new season, a darker season, but he will fear no evil because God is with him. Because God is with him. Now that phrase, the valley of the shadow of death, it's a pretty illustrious image. And it's an interesting little phrase in Hebrew. The valley of the shadow of death is kind of a mouthful for us to say, but it's actually all one word in Hebrew. And that word is tzalmavet. Can you say that with me? Tzalmavet, the valley of the shadow of death. Now, this word isn't used a whole lot in Scripture, but there is one instance that communicates how when we are walking through seasons of darkness, seasons of deep uncertainty and fear and even death, how God shows up to shine his light and goodness and presence into those spaces. The verse where Tzalmavet shows up is actually in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 and 6. It says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, those who dwelt in Tzalmavet, the valley of the shadow of death, on them has light shone. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, if you're wondering where you've heard these verses before, it is July, but these are the verses that we typically read at Christmas when we are talking about the coming of Jesus into the world, the incarnation of God's Son, 
This is God's physical presence coming into the world to be with us, not just when we are in lo chaser, lacking nothing, abundant serenity, but actually when we are walking in Salmavet, when we are walking in the valley of the shadow of death, that is when Jesus enters in to shine his light and his presence to give us comfort and hope. Just as David tells us in Psalm 23 that even in the valley of the shadow of death, he won't fear anything. So Isaiah prepares us for the coming of Jesus into the world, that he will go with us no matter the circumstances. Beyond the present circumstances of our lives, whether we are in lo chaser, lacking nothing, or in the tzalmavet, shadow of death, our ultimate hope and comfort is that God is with us. Now, I know that it is easy to let our present circumstances, whether it's that abundance or that darkness, dictate the emotions that we experience and even the posture that we carry through the world. And more often than not, it really would just be easier if we could pray that God would just come in and change and fix whatever struggle it is that we're facing But the promise of scripture still stands. And the promise of scripture is not that God is going to make life on this earth super easy for us. That we are always going to have smooth roads paved paved before us. Actually, when we look at scripture, the story of God's people is that often it is the ones who are closest to God who walk through some of the hardest trials throughout scripture. But God goes with them. Out of his deep love and care, he goes with us no matter the circumstances. And that is the promise that we can hold on to and receive comfort from. I've had a lot of conversations with people in this season who are pretty anxious about the fall and the months that are ahead. And they're all in different life stages. I've talked to some high school students who are concerned about whether they're going to be able to play the sports that they love as much as they do, and they're hoping to do those in college, and they're uncertain about what it would mean for them if they're not able to do those this fall. I've talked with couples who have had to plan, replan, replan, replan their weddings because they want to have their loved ones with them, and they want to find a way to make that happen. I've talked with women and men who are really uncertain about how the economy is going to impact their job security and what life looks like for them this coming season. And even we have some wonderful, sweet seniors who have had grandchildren and great-grandchildren born into their families. They just want to hug and snuggle those babies, and they're not quite sure when they're going to be able to do that. Each of us is walking through uncertainty in the season, and because of that uncertainty, there is necessarily grief. There is necessarily pain. And in the midst of that, some of us may even feel like we are right now walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But what does David tell us in this? I will fear no evil, for God is with me. Jesus reiterates this to his disciples when they're really anxious also. He says to them not, oh, I've taken care of everything. Don't worry about it. Life is going to be easy for you. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. He overcame the world by offering us his presence with us here on earth. And in this season with so much insecurity, our hope and our comfort cannot be rooted in a vaccine. 
Our hope and comfort cannot be rooted in an upcoming election or a perfect reopening plan or anything having to do with the brokenness of this world. Those will not carry us. Our hope and our comfort is in God with us and in his son who has gone before and will go before us carrying the weight of this world on his shoulders. Now you may be listening to this sermon and you may be thinking to yourselves, okay, God is with me and I know this in my mind, but if I'm being very real, the experience that I've had over the last few months hasn't really communicated that to me. I haven't experienced it and felt it in the way that I need to feel it in order to live out this faith. First, it's okay to admit that. It's okay to live into that and to feel that. And in seasons of darkness, sometimes it can be especially hard for us to see where God is at work. It can just be harder for us to see how God is leading us when we are uncertain about what the path forward is. And then in those moments, it can be hard for us to feel God's comfort. How is God going to comfort us if we can't feel him with us? At the end of Psalm 23, verse 4, it says, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, Shepherd and sheep language can be a little bit hard for us. Uh, It's hard for me to wrap my mind around. I've just never been in a pasture before or seen a shepherd or sheep. I've seen sheep, but like that's just not something that is very common for me. Um, But in the ancient world, it was incredibly common. And so we have language throughout scripture about shepherds and flocks of sheep. And one of the things that ancient readers would have known is that a staff and a rod that a shepherd carried, they weren't just tools to help guide their sheep and lead their sheep. It actually said something about who the shepherd was. Shepherds were identified by the staffs that they carried. It would be like we uh, we walked out into the parking lot and we saw a staff. We could pick it up and say, oh, that belongs to Pastor Ron because of the way that it's shaped and because of the markings that are on it. It's almost like an ancient driver's license or birth certificate. The staff of the shepherd identifies who the shepherd is. We know this because of instances throughout scripture, and as much as I want to just list those for you all right now, um, you can look in your sermon notes, and I have gone through how we know that this is the case. But what we find is that there's deep comfort in knowing that the identifying marker of the shepherd is still with us. And even in those times when we're looking around us and wondering where God is, and we don't physically see him there, if we look closely, sometimes we can see small identifying hints that God is indeed there. These can manifest in a whole lot of different ways, and I can't list all of them, but there are a few things that we can pay attention for in this season that are rods and staffs of God's presence, that God is still with you even if you feel like maybe he isn't physically present there. The first is God's peace, which is different than the peace of this world. The second is God's word in scripture. And the third is God's people. The first, God's peace. Now, God's peace is different than, like, if you walk into a salon and you hear the nice, gentle music and you hear the tinkling of the little water fountains and things. This is a different kind of peace. Jesus talks about this peace with his disciples in John chapter 14, verses 26 and 27. The way he describes it, he says, The companion, 
the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I told you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I give to you not as the world gives. So do not be troubled or afraid. Depending on the translation that you're using, the Holy Spirit may also be described in this as a helper or an advocate or even as a comforter. The Holy Spirit shows up and his primary purpose is to offer comfort and deep, deep peace. I think I experienced this most when I was doing chaplaincy and I worked on a palliative care unit. And what often happened is that patients and families would come in and there would be high levels of anxiety as they're making this transition. Things are changing. They're trying to process this new reality. But over time, as they would pray and go deeper into their faith, a new type of peace settled in and the marker of that peace was acceptance. It was this deep understanding that God was with them now and would be with them no matter what point in the journey they reached. This is a peace that passes all understanding. And in the face of Zalmavit, in the face of deep, deep darkness and pain, God's spirit shows up to be a comforter and a peace giver. The second identifying marker of God's presence, one of those rods or staffs that shows up to remind us that God is indeed with us, is found in God's word in scripture. Now, you may be saying to yourself, Yes, Melissa's a pastor. She's going to tell me to read my Bible. And that is fair. I understand that. I do love scripture. But I think what can easily happen for us is that scripture can almost become what is sprinkled on top of life after we figure out the stuff that really matters. So after the phone calls are made and after the appointments are scheduled, after we have all of the conversations that need to happen and talk with the experts and do all of our Googling, after we take care of all of that, then we turn to God's word to see what God has to say to us about whatever circumstance we are walking through. As I was talking with Pastor Emily about this suspicion that I had, she shared with me that when she was on a trip to visit one of our missions partners over in Istanbul, it trains Iranian pastors to go into hard places to evangelize and lead churches. She said that when those pastors get arrested and they're imprisoned, you would think that the things that they would want most are things like toothbrushes and soap and things like that. But actually, when they talk to their loved ones, the things, things that they are asking them for are passages of Scripture. They want them to read Scripture to them and send them whole chapters of Scripture so that they can memorize it and stay rooted to God's Word in the midst of their fear and their pain because they know that at that point, the stakes are too high for Scripture to be ancillary. They need a reminder that God is with them and will see them through whatever it is that they walk through. Scripture is filled with reminders of God's comfort in the midst of trial. Whether it is grief or fear or uncertainty or waiting, God, Scripture speaks to those emotions and God reminds us of his presence with us when we root ourselves in Scripture. Lastly, God's people are a physical sign of God's presence with us. As a care pastor here at CBC, I have the privilege of leading our lay care ministries, and each fall we have a training where we walk through what it means to show up for people who are hurting. And sometimes this means through listening well or through offering compassion or empathy. 
And this fall, we are actually offering that training again. We're doing it virtually. So if you haven't had the chance to go through the training or you have and you want a refresher, it will all be offered online for us this fall. But what we realized during this training is that one of the biggest pieces and maybe one of the scariest pieces is showing up for people when they're walking through hard seasons. Getting up the courage to figure out how to step in to people's pain and be present with them when they are in it. But God calls us to the sacred work because he uses his people as reminders of his presence. The Jewish community knows the truth of this and the power of this pretty deeply. They have a practice called sitting shiva. And so after someone in their family dies, the community shows up for seven days and they bring hot dishes and they bring drinks and they sit together in a living room and they sing songs together and they pray prayers together and they share stories and they cry. And the people who show up know that the reason they do this is because God calls them to in the story of Job and scripture, it models it for them. But also, they know that their physical presence is a reminder that they are, that person is physically not alone as they're walking. Not only because there are people around them, but because God's presence is there with them too. When a family has lost a loved one, they are reminded that they will not walk this road alone because God is going to be with them. Marie Reidegger once wrote that as listeners, we need to remember that when we go, God goes with us. He is already there when we arrive, and when we leave, he stays and often works more in our absence than in our presence. And as we listen, the Holy Spirit takes all that we say and do, all that the person feels and thinks, and allows him or her to change gears slowly often so imperceptibly that we may be scarcely aware of it. You and I do not take the credit. We listen in Christ's name. Sometimes we're allowed to see the change, sometimes not. But either way, we can always thank God for the privilege. When we show up, we become one of the rods or the staffs of God's comfort and we identify that, that God has not left that person in their tzalmavit, in their darkness, but that God is with them and will never leave them nor forsake them. Psalm 23 closes with the line, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Our ultimate comfort is not in this life. It is not in this world. Our ultimate comfort is in God our shepherd, whose presence with us offers us all the comfort that we will ever need. And in resting in the knowledge of his presence and his provision for us while we are here on earth, we will prepare our hearts for the day when we will be able to say, indeed, that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, face to face with God our Savior.